Women's Humanity Arts Festival at Artscape. Woman's Zone, in conjunction with Artscape, bring you a series of six special podcasts featuring women with important stories and messages to share. If you'd like to know more, find us on Facebook, Woman's Own CT, or email info at womanszonect.co.za. Dr. Beryl Botman has a background in education and in teaching. She went on to find a place in academia, a place further strengthened when her husband, Professor Russell Botman, became rector and vice-chancellor of Stellenbosch University, the first black rector and vice-chancellor of the institution. But Beryl's own world was thrown into chaos when Russell died unexpectedly back in 2014. The personal turmoil and grief that followed was no easy journey, as she writes in her book, Without You. Beryl launched her book recently at the opening of Artscape's Women's Humanity Arts Festival. I'm Nancy Richards, and I asked her first to tell us not about the sad ending, but the beginning, when she and Russell first met. I don't think that there was a first moment. I can't even remember the day that we met, because at the time he was uh, the minister of uh, our church, and I was a member there with all my brothers and sisters who are here this evening. So, and he was married and had a family of two children. And then his wife passed away at the age of 29 when he was 36 years old. So he was a very young widower. I had a, a little girl, and there's my little girl, Ilsa. And she grew up with all of us going to, to that church. And I'm a practicing Christian, and I became a deacon in the church. And that is where um, and how Russell and I got to know each other, sharing spaces in the hard 1980s about issues in our communities, about death and dying, of danger. In our church and church council meetings, being involved in, in our communities, and we connected on those issues. And from there, it went like a whirlwind. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, we, uh, uh, we had a very short relationship, started in June, engaged in July, yep. married in November, all in the same wow. year. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so we have a, had a blended family, Ilsa and Russell's two children, Ayman and Lazelle, and then the following year, we had uh, a child together, um, Roxanne. I was teaching at that time at, at Lavender Hill, and Russell, of course, was the minister, amongst many other uh, different things that we were involved with in the communities that we worked. Wow, that's really quite a story. And, you know, I'm just thinking that if you meet in a church and your relationship develops in a church, you are truly blessed. So <laughs> and blessed you certainly were. Yes. I, from all accounts, he was a very special man. But he was a very special man. And I think your relationship with him was all too short. So I want to quickly whistle right through to the end, because your book, where your book begins, is 
where he ends. It was June, June 2014, and it was completely unexpected. I think that I'm, I was thinking to myself now, is it more difficult if it's unexpected, or is it worse if it's a, a long, drawn-out departure? For you, you literally went in to the bedroom, and there he was. Can you remember, you write about it in the book, but can you remember how that felt? Yes. It was utter shock. I've never, ever been shocked in my life like at that moment. But the moment wasn't just, it was three moments. It took me three times to look at him to realize that he has died. And on the third occasion of that morning, when I realized that he, he's dead, and I said to him, but you are dead. And I was, I can't say I know how I felt. I think, I think it was just at the shock. I, d I couldn't think straight. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't even operate my cell phone. And so it was, I was confused. And then I suppose it lasted a couple of minutes, but I don't think I, I, I had no idea of tracking time and how long it took for me to decide. But you have to now find a doctor. Mm -hmm. I couldn't because I didn't know how to phone. So I got into my car and I drove. But it was all very automatic, but I, but I was very present at the same time. I was present and I could say to um, people, this is what happened and this is what I want you to do. And then they tell me what I must do. Then I say, no, I can't do that because of this and that. So I was, I was present. Mm. But it wasn't long when the first people came. My sister was the first person I, I could call, I could remember. She was the only one I could remember how to call. I could call nobody else. So, but in no time after she knew and I made two or three other calls, I was surrounded by people who loved me. And I was surrounded by people who were nosy. Um, as well, and they came me to find out stories, and my brother had to tell them, you can't do this and that, and you can't cut her. She had to keep the media out and stuff like that. Yeah, so it was, I think, now that I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, it was just as much a whirlwind that in that short morning as, oh, how many months... Yeah five-month relationship was before we got married. You know, it's an extraordinary thing. You, as you describe your shock, you're sort of frozen in the headlights. It, it, nobody can prepare you for grief mm. and that sort of shock. Mm. I think, like childbirth, I suppose, n nobody can tell you how awful it is until it, it happens. And there's this sense of just going completely on automatic. But something you said there, you even said to him, but you are dead. And you describe him in the book as your closest conversation partner. And your book is virtually without you. You're talking to him. 
So it seemed to me that you didn't want that conversation partner to go, so you held on to him. At what point did you start... I mean, I was talking about the value of writing and the, and the visceral thing that writing does to you. At what point did you start having the conversation on paper with Russell? I think it was about five years after his passing. Um, I've been through many different processes, um, one of them being um, the, the estate. To, what do you say? Kuas is the one there sitting. He's the one who helped me through that. And it, was, it wasn't a very difficult estate, but it had very difficult people who weren't even part of the estate. So it made my life a misery um, and shame him too. And so while the estate took two years to, what is the word, quiz? To one. Like, that's not extraordinary. It actually took four years to actually get through all the other stuff that was uh, linked, not directly to the, to the estate, but people that weren't even part of the testament. And so it took me four years to just do that. And I, at, by that time, I felt, but I haven't found the time to just grieve. I didn't process what is happening inside of me. And then I think after the, the fifth year, or during the fifth year, I started, um, I have just completed a session with the Free State University, with postdoc, starting to write academic articles, and I've been through a court case, ended up in high court. I stood in front of a judge, I've never been in a court ever before, and when I stood there, I love to watch um, crime and investigation thing. That's my stuff. So I always thought, I'm, I, I know these things. But when I stood there, I didn't know. I had to ask, where must I stand? What, what must I say? How must I, how must I address you? I was completely flabbergasted. And when I went through all of that, and it was the one thing after the other, and eventually that was put to rest by me. And it's still resting. Mm -hmm. Whether the other people are resting, I have no idea. Um, it was close to the end of the year, and I decided I'm not going to do any more academic work. Because, you know, the academic um, world is ruthless. I don't want to be part of this. If it is honest ruthlessness then I'm okay. But I felt these people aren't honest. They get at you for nonsense. Then you must tell them, no, but you don't understand X, Y, and Z. Then they say, oh, yes. But they want to break you down. And I didn't really want to teach in a university. I, I wanted to share my 
educational experience and understanding. And I've been broken down enough, so I'm not still going to stand for academics to tell me this, that, and the next thing. I know I, I can take rigorous uh, debate. I know that about myself. But I can't take nonsense. <laughs> so I said, no more. I'm not ever writing any academic uh, work. I said to the Free State University, I was going to translate my book into more uh, user-friendly language. I was always halfway through. I said, no, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just going to do absolutely nothing. <laughs> and so for a couple of months, I did nothing. And then I decided I will start writing a book. But then I thought I'll write a book. I won't write a on my own, I'll get some women. I like, I, it's important that women's voices are heard. And I thought Russell was a champion. He worked with women. He facilitated women's groups. He always, he was an inclusive kind of person. And in the church and in academics, so I thought I'll get a, a group of women together and they can all write a story, their story um, that links with Russell's life. And I spoke to my dear friend about this marvelous idea that I had. And she's sitting right here and she says, mm, that's a nice idea, but enough about Russell. Write about yourself. I said, hmm. And I, I left that thought, and I let it mull, and I let it, um, I don't think, what, what do I have to say about myself? What do I have to write about myself? So let's just leave it. And then the follow, and the Christmas of that year, Roxanne, my daughter, who lives in London, and her, at the time, partner was now a wife, uh, sent me the book by Becoming by Michelle Obama. And I read that story. And when I was done, I thought, I can also tell my story. <laughs> and that's when it started. Then I decided, right, Beryl, you are educationist. You think you can write your story. What story are you going to write? You've never written a book. You have never written about yourself outside of your academic uh, bi biographical um, referencing of your work, you will have to go and learn. And so I did. I went and I signed up for a writer's course. I first thought, let's do something exotic and go to Italy and to attend a writer's course there. Um, then I thought, mm -mm. stay at home. And then acquaintance of Marlene's actually pointed me to a woman who comes from America, and she comes and, do and does a course every year in South Africa. And so I thought, okay, I'll be home, and I'll have an, an international experience. And that's exactly what I had, was in our group there were about 20 of us from all over the world and all over South Africa. 
there were only about four or five of us from Cape Town. And so that was a wonderful experience. And all of us were at different stages of our writing processes. Some have completed their books um, and just needed some rethinking of some um, were midway. And so I had no idea, actually, of what story is it is that I want to tell. So I thought, I went there and I thought, this is where I'm going to plan this story. So my initial plan was that I will write about the first five years, because that's where I was at the time. I'll write about the first five years after Russell has passed. Because if it's my story, that is where I think I must start. Because I must take five years because I must at least have a book's worth of things to say, (laughs) I thought. And then I started writing, and the course facilitator um, suggested that you choose the length of the book. She says that is is more comfortable for readers is 80 to 90,000 words. And so I started writing, and for months, every day, do weekday, every day, I have 5,000 words for the week to write, and I only write on weekends if I didn't reach my target. And so every day, I was at it. But of course, the planning, the planning after that initial week, that also took about a month or two, getting all my sources together. And my cell phone was a wonderful source, the photographs on it, um, all the newspaper clippings that I kept. I kept all the cards and the flower bouquet cards. They were all in a box. Ilse initially started during that week after his passing, I said, cut out the newspaper clippings. She started that. So we had a box, and then when she left, I continued. So I had a lot of resources. And, and so I started writing. And then when I reached 83,000 words, I thought, now I was very close to 90. I was still, I just... That was the end of year one. (laughs) And so I decided that that will be the book. Well, I'm going to stop you there because we only have a few more minutes. And how was that story? So if you're thinking of writing a book, just know that there's quite a process that is so interesting because... I had the feeling of it being very spontaneous. It felt like you it felt like you'd kept your diary. And it's so interesting to hear about all the resources and all the things that you talk about because as I was reading it, you talk about all the different press cuttings and this person making a speech and that and I thought you must have kept a diary. It's absolutely phenomenal. And despite you having been frozen in the headlights with shock, Obviously, all the things that you were feeling, you felt them very deeply. So they've stayed with you. And as soon as you started churning it up and looking for it, back it all came. Because we only have a little bit of time left, I just want to ask you, and for the wife of uh, the rector of Selimosh University, that academics are ruthless, I think we should erase that, um, because I think that's quite interesting. But I think one of the things that I did get from the book is... The impact of other people, 
And the thing about other people is that they can be wonderful and they can be awful. And when somebody dies who's close to you, you are dealing with that. But then you have to deal with other people's grief as well. If you had any advice for anybody in a similar situation, I highly recommend, I don't wish for any of you to have people close to you who are about to die, but it's really worth reading just to see what it feels like. All the things you had to go through, Russell's legacy, you had to go to Scotland, receive awards, um, it was Russell this and Russell that, and you still had your own things to deal with, but you had everybody else's grief. How did you deal with that? What sort of mask did you put on that you were able to deal with it? I don't exactly know how to answer that. It's not something that I rationalized. I think how I dealt with it is, and I did have to do quite a lot of that. People coming to me and I have to soothe their souls. And I have to remind them of their worth. And I have to remind them of how valuable they were in Russell's life. It wasn't difficult to do because the person is right here and the person is grieving. And I know the relationship. And so I, I, I'm, I am a spiritual person. I rely heavily on my faith and I think I got strength beyond what I understand or thought I had to carry myself and there was never a time there are people who grieve and they can do that in, in isolation I could never be on my own and send people away and say, I can't see you now. When they come, they, they are there. And it's not that I couldn't, I didn't want to. Because at the same time that I see their grief, I see their sorrow, and I try to comfort them, I found comfort because it means that the loss that we share is a valuable loss and for me to be a, to have been part of Russell's life and for me to have to be in the very privileged position as the person that he loved the closest with gave me the strength to be open to others who were grieving about him and there were many people grieving about Russell and are still grieving about him. As I suspect you might be as well and you do talk about the many times that you took to your bedroom for sanctuary just so that you could grieve alone. It's taken a long time to do this and my very last question would be did it help once you'd written it down, once you'd processed it and gone through it all over again did it help writing it down? Did it help producing a book? It definitely did. During all those uh, that time I I spoke a lot. I told the story to everyone that would listen, and even those who didn't want to listen, I will tell them. <laughs> and I spoke to many people. I had good friends, I had good partners. I got had pilgrims who worked with me, and I spoke. They didn't get a chance to speak. I, I've done a lot of talking, 
um, in that time. And when I started writing, I realized, I, I told some of my friends, you must help me remember because I'm going to start writing now, but I'm sure I'm not going to remember everything. So you, you must be on standby. And when I started writing, I was uh, amazed at how much I remembered. And uh, some things I asked my friends, they've forgotten. So I said, what, what help are you? I remember more than you do. But that is a thing that, that amazed me, that how much I remembered. And I just, I think I said it to somebody I can't remember in the week. I realize, I think now, that having written this book and having relied on that memory, I realize that my memory of my life with Russell and the loss and the loss of Russell is part of me and it's part of my DNA. I can't explain. It's deep, deeply seated. And it must have been latent. And with the writing, it all just came up. Now we are actually have disagreements of what, what is the real story because they disagree with how I remember. And I said, I don't have a problem. This is how I remember. You remember. I know you're wrong, but I remember. <laughs> But I remember it like this. So, yeah, it made me realize how important memory is and how your memory is so much part of who you are and how necessary it is for one to exploit that memory, to bring it out. And the writing was that for me. I think that's a lesson for all of us. And I want to say thank you so much for all the lessons that we've learned from you now and for writing your book, which has been beautifully translated, because you wrote it in Afrikaans, beautifully translated. And I want to say... Belinda, and she is here. Just stand up, Belinda. Well done. Well done, Belinda. (laughs) And I want to say I look forward to your next book. Dr. Beryl Bachman, thank you very much. And there is a next book. Every day.